It is so significant that we're gathering in worship in this moment, going to God's Word. And as we go to God's Word, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Fresh Start, where we've taken a look at a very significant section of Scripture that talks about what Jesus has already accomplished. And that first Sunday of 2021, I kind of introduced these seven realities that Jesus has already accomplished and what Practically, that means for us kind of at a a baseline level. And in the weeks since, we have dived deeper in each of these realities. And we're going to get to uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3c. You might recall earlier in the series, I talked about 3a. You know, within a verse, there can be uh, multiple thoughts. Sometimes there's run-on sentences. And so this is the third kind of thought within the third verse And it talks about Jesus being our mediator. We need mediators now more than ever. In fact, think about how much more our lives, not just in this moment, but looking back on our entire life, how much more our lives have been able to thrive when we have mediators. You know, it could be a third party who steps in and you know, helps mediate an argument between you and a a friend. It could be a counselor, maybe that you've gone to to mediate a, a fracture within a family system. Maybe it's a judge that you've gone before and they've had to mediate something in a legal way that you've had to navigate. There's also subtle mediators that maybe we don't even think are mediators. I mean, think about a red light, a, a green light, on the roads. In many ways, those act as as mediators for us. Without them, how would we negotiate? How would we mediate the right-of-way between us and another vehicle? In fact, life thrives not just on mediators, but having good mediators. We're going to get down to the basics today, and we're going to see how Jesus is our mediator. But not just between us and God, We're going to see how Jesus is also a mediator between us and ourselves, us and other people, and ultimately how Jesus is a mediator between us and death and sin itself. So let me read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3c. So this is the third thought in that third verse. It's seven short words. And it sounds like the beginning of a longer sentence, which it is, but we're just going to focus in on these seven, seven, these seven words here. This is in Hebrews chapter one out of the New Revised Standard Version. When he had made purification for sins. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. As we say every week, thanks be to God. When he, when Jesus had made purification for sins. Now in the Greek language, the language of the New Testament, the the verb tense for made is of a completed action. So we shouldn't read this as when he began to make or when he attempted to make or when he thought about making. No, when he made, when he completed the purification for sins. Now you might remember perhaps in other sermons, maybe in your own scripture reading, that the last thing that Jesus says on the cross is, it is finished. Some translations say, it is accomplished. Why would we spend 
a significant part of our worship service today just on these seven words. Well, the writer of Hebrews is trying to remind them and through the power of the Holy Spirit to remind us that because of what Jesus has already done, because he has already provided for the purification of sins, we have a mediator that is unlike any other mediator on the planet. And as we discover today, it is a mediator that affects every relationship in our lives. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at three different aspects of how Jesus uh, and the ramifications of that purification of sins look like. You've heard me say before that, you know, in the New Testament, whenever uh, salvation is referenced to a believer, somebody who has already put their faith and trust in Jesus, that there are verses that talk about salvation in the past tense, the present tense, and the future tense. Now, some of you are like, oh, Drew, I've already heard this before. And that's so good. It's okay. We've got to come back to the basics. We've got to lay the foundation. Again, this is a sermon series called Fresh Start. It's easy for us to forget these things. And if we do forget these things, the scaffolding, the, the life, the house that we build our lives on can crumble and fall if we don't have the proper foundation. And for many of us, perhaps who haven't understood these or been introduced to these concepts yet, we can get off on the wrong foot. So I want to talk about, again, these seven words and how when Jesus had made purification for sins, how that impacts Christians past, present, and future. In the past, there's some verses in the Bible that say that Jesus has saved us from our sins. Now, Jesus accomplished that through his perfect life and his sacrificial death. That through his perfect life, he was able to not abolish the law, as he said, but he came to fulfill the law. In fact, all the requirements that God has for you and for me, Jesus fulfilled. There's no other human being that can say that. Not Mother Teresa, not the Pope, not a great preacher or a pastor, not me, not you, no one. In all of humanity, Romans 3 says that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And yet Jesus was uniquely different. Yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully human. Scripture says that he was tempted in every way that you and I have been tempted. All the things that pull our hearts away from God, Jesus experienced. And he was able to do that which I and you cannot do. He chose God's way 100% of the time. All the way to his death. He didn't go to the cross as a victim. He went victorious. He went to do the will of the Father. And on the cross... He took all the the brokenness, all the sin, all the punishment that you and I deserve for not living up to the law that's been described in Scripture, and He took it upon Himself. And in that moment, He became our one and only ultimate sacrifice. As John the Baptist said, Behold, He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And through his sacrificial death, he made purification for sins. And in scripture where it says, Christian, you have been saved. All those verses that talk about what Jesus has already accomplished in the past tense is this. You've heard me say this before. He has set us free from the penalty of sin. To say it in another way, 
Jesus has become our mediator between us and a holy God. This very short section of scripture in Hebrews chapter one, where Jesus has made purification for sins is so significant. And if we begin to just grasp this into our life, if we begin to allow this, this truth to, to emanate and flow through our life, it's gonna completely change how we see ourselves, how we see God, how we see our entire lives. You see, Jesus has become our great mediator. Think of it this way. We were against God. God was against us. God's the last person you wanna be against. For some of us, we knew we were against God. For some of us, we were completely ignorant to that fact. But either way, all of us, when we choose our way rather than God's way, are living a life contrary to God's best for us and therefore are, as scripture says, we are enemies of God. God doesn't want that. God longs for us to be brought close. God longs for us to be brought in his family. And so God did what God had to do. And God came in the flesh as Jesus, the son of God, to live that perfect life, as I said, to die that sacrificial death, to provide for the purification for sins so that now we have a great mediator between us and God. And God looks at us now through Christ when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we receive Jesus as our mediator, when we receive the fact that Jesus has covered over our sin through his sacrificial death, because of Jesus being our mediator, the fancy kind of big theological word is that now we are justified in Christ. It's a legal term. It means because Jesus is our mediator, you could say it this way, he is our defense attorney. He has argued on our behalf, not because he's saying that our record is good enough to be loved by God. He is arguing that his record should be applied to us. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter five, he who knew no sin, lived the perfect life, became sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God, that we might be made right in God's eyes. So we need to know that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, because Jesus is our mediator, we have forever been set free from the penalty of sin. This is a one-time reality that once you've been set free from the penalty of sin, once you've been forgiven in Christ, you are forever forgiven in Christ. We'll talk about some more details about how Jesus continues to save us in the present tense. But when it comes to being made right in God's eyes, when it comes to the penalty that we deserve, once and forevermore, Jesus has died once and for all, Scripture says. God looks at you and says, you are forgiven in Christ. And once you've been forgiven, you don't have to somehow do more good deeds on top of what Jesus has already done. You don't have to somehow add on to what Jesus has already accomplished. No, he has done it all. And if you allow this truth to, to seep into your life, again, we're in a sermon series called Fresh Start as you begin this new year. 
This new season of your life as you're choosing to turn back to Jesus, as you continue to grow your relationship with Jesus at a foundational nature is to hold on to the truth that you are enough in God's eyes in Christ. You don't have to prove yourself to God to be loved. You don't have to attend this worship service to somehow hope that God will say, well done, now I finally love you. You don't have to read scripture to earn God's love. You don't have to do any of those things to earn God's love. God loves you enough that he demonstrates it to us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Romans 5 talks about that. So that we can experience what it means to be justified, to be made right, to be set free from the penalty of sin. But remember, maybe in the past, you've heard me say this before, maybe for the first time you're hearing this now, that to a Christian, somebody who's already put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there are many verses that also talk about how we are being saved, present tense. Uh, I think about uh, in scripture, it talks about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. What What is that all about? Well, if, It is absolutely true that Jesus once and for all set us free from the penalty of sin in which he was a mediator between us and God. It's also true that Jesus in an ongoing way sets us free from the power of sin in our life. In other words, Jesus steps in through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and is a mediator between Christ in us and the kind of human, sinful part of ourselves that hasn't yet allowed Jesus to be Lord. Think of it this way. Within yourself, if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, you're kind of like a split personality. In fact, there's this famous part in Scripture in Romans chapter 8 where the Apostle Paul, this great follower of Jesus, he, he says this, he's already been saved. He's already been set free from the penalty of sin. He's already been justified. He already has a mediator between him and God. But he goes on to say, he says, gosh, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I, I continue to do. What a wretched man that I am. Who will save me from this body of death? Now, when he writes that through the power of the Holy Spirit, what he's saying is that the redeemed part of me, the Christ in me, the Holy Spirit in me longs to do things. But there's this other part of me where I haven't allowed Jesus to to transform yet. It is my flesh. It is my uh, addictions. It is my patterns. It is my old way of doing things. That's the part of me that prevents me from doing that which Christ wants to do in me. And the things that Christ in me doesn't want to do, oh, this part of me that lives for myself, that is always right, that wants to be in control, continues to do those things. And he says, what a wretched man that I am who will save me, save me from this body of death. He's acknowledging that even when Christians put their faith and trust in Jesus, they still have sin in their life that has power over them. And the journey that we get to go on as followers of Jesus Christ 
is to continue to follow Jesus, to continue to submit our lives to Christ, to continue to be obedient to God's word, to continue to allow God's word to examine our life, to see the areas of our life where we are off track, that we're living for ourselves, that we've deceived ourselves, thinking maybe even we're doing it for God, but we're doing it for other motivations. And that journey of becoming more like Christ, where Jesus is mediating between our redeemed part of ourselves, the Christ in us part of ourselves, and the sinful part of ourselves, is the journey of sanctification. Again, where Jesus progressively and continually sets us free from the power of sin. And as long as we have breath in our lungs, as long as our heart beats, sin will continue to have power in our lives. Now I wanna dive in deeper to this reality in a practical way. It is so, so dare I say normal, for followers of Jesus to be deceived. We should expect that Christians make mistakes. In fact, we should actually not be shocked when either a brother or sister in Christ within our church family falls into sin because it has power in their life. We shouldn't be shocked when somebody wrongs us who is a follower of Christ. Uh, We shouldn't be shocked when we see Christians around the world get caught up in other things. It doesn't mean that they're not Christian. It doesn't mean that Jesus hasn't already mediated between them and God. It doesn't mean that they haven't been set free from the penalty of sin. It means that they, like us, like the Apostle Paul, is on the journey of sanctification and there are aspects of their life where sin still has power over them. We all have it. None of us are exempt. Some of us, we struggle with pride. Some of us, we struggle with being cowards, which scripture calls us sin. Some of us struggle with speaking too much. Some of us struggle with speaking too little. Some of us uh, struggle with anger, with anxiety, with always needing to be in control. Some of us struggle with being so stubborn that we can never be convinced otherwise. Some of us struggle with being tossed to and fro like the wind among every deceitful teaching that's out there. All of us have struggles who are followers of Jesus. And rather than freak out when we or others do it and condemn one another, we should pray for one another. We should bear one another's burdens. We should speak the truth in love to one another. We should spur one another on to good deeds. We should confess our sins to one another. We should forgive one another. You see, Jesus, when he made purification for sins, we can access that in a one-time and forevermore event where he mediates between us and God and we are forever saved from the penalty of sin, but also we can invite him into every relationship, every struggle, every decision, every thought process, every season of our life, every purchase that we make, Every time we open up an internet browser, every moment of every day is an opportunity to invite Jesus in to be the mediator between 
Christ in us and the life that God longs for us to live and the broken part of who we are. And you see, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus can transform us in absolutely profound ways that we can never expect. And in doing so, we begin to experience being at peace with ourself. We will begin to desire more and more of the things that God desires. We will, over time, live with less conflict within us. Over time, as we are obedient to the teachings of Jesus and follow him, we will be quicker to to say I'm wrong, to ask for forgiveness, to be humble. We'll be quicker to speak the truth in love. We'll be quicker to, to step out and sacrifice and to serve somebody else. That's that great opportunity that Jesus invites us to consider that he wants to mediate within every area of our life. And then out of the overflow of our lives, he wants to mediate between us and other fellow believers. In fact, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can do that unlike anything else. God's heart, God's longing is that Christ's body, the church, would be one, that we would be unified. Now, there are a lot of different ways in which you can try to get to unity. You can try to get to unity by forcing everybody to believe the same thing. That's not a Holy Spirit-driven unity. You can get to unity by just trying to retreat and find just like-minded people like yourself or kick the people out that believe differently than yourself. That is not a Holy Spirit-driven unity. The deepest way, the most profound way in which we can experience the mediating power of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit is that when we come together, we bear with one another in love, we are patient with one another, we listen to one another, we air our grievances with one another, we forgive one another, we grow together and we realize that all of us in different ways have sin that still has power over us. And that we should humbly come together and grow together and ask the Spirit of God to make us one in miraculous ways, in ways that we couldn't arbitrarily force on our own or retreat into on our own, but that we would look back upon and say, how on earth did God bring that diverse, that unique, that significantly polar opposite group of people together? That must have been the Holy Spirit. I'm beginning my seventh year as the senior pastor of this church. It's our 65th year as a church family. We have always been a very diverse church, socioeconomically, politically, philosophically, economically, even theologically. And yet there is this great joy that I've seen and I've experienced, and many of you have experienced it as well, when we allow the Spirit of God to make us one in the midst of our diversity, where we marvel at and we look at and we say, there's there's no way that that could have happened had it not been through the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen it in big groups. I've seen it in life groups. I've seen it on task forces. I've seen it on our session, our elder board. I've seen it in our personnel committee, our operations committee. I've seen it within the deacons. I've seen it within our staff. 
Those moments, those beautiful moments where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in and where Jesus is the mediator. Because he's already made purifications for sins, that can have practical implications every moment of every day in your life. So choose to open up God's word. Choose to spend time in prayer. Choose to practice the one another's of scripture. Choose to put into practice the teachings of Jesus and watch how the power of sin in your life will begin to be diminished as Jesus mediates within yourself and within your relationships. Isn't that what this city needs now? Isn't that what this this nation needs now? I mean, I hear and I see so many people longing for, crying out for healing. Yes, there's many things that people can do. Yes, there's many things that leaders can do. Yes, there's many things that elected officials can do. But Christ, and Christ through Christ's body, is the greatest mediating power this world has ever seen. And Christ's body needs to be experienced in every sector, every sphere of society. That's why it's so significant for passionate, obedient followers of Jesus to occupy every industry, every position in the world, from baristas to billionaires, from educators to engineers. We need people in the private sector and the public sector. We need people within homes and within neighborhoods and within cities and within national and international government to allow Jesus, who has already been their mediator between them and God, so they can move out of this world without having to prove themselves to anybody, to allow Jesus to be the mediator within themselves so that they are prayerfully discerning what God would have for them in every and every way. That the mediator of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit would enable them to to engage in these difficult, complex negotiations and situations. That's what we should pray for and that's what we should live into. Because Jesus has made purification for sins, it has ripple effects throughout our lives. But also you've heard me say that for the Christian, in the same way that salvation is talked about in the past tense and the present tense, Salvation is also talked about in the future tense. Passages that talk about one day we will be saved. What's that all about? Well, in the same way that Jesus has forever set us free from the penalty of sin, justification, he mediates between us and God. In the same way that Jesus progressively and continually sets us free from the power of sin, It's called sanctification, where he mediates between us and ourselves and even us and other people. There's this great reality that Jesus one day forever will set us free from the presence of sin. Where Jesus will be the great mediator between us and Satan and sin and death itself. That is a future reality that is described in Ezekiel and Isaiah, Revelation, other passages in scripture where Jesus will return again and will finish what he started and he will set free 
all of his followers from even the presence of sin. The penalty's already been taken care of, but it will no longer have power over us because it won't even be present. I mean, imagine the day, one day, where there's no temptation for deceit. There's no temptation for addiction. There's no temptation for a little white lie. There's no temptation for selfishness or putting other people down. There's no temptation for all of that because it isn't even present. It will be a distant memory where Jesus as the great mediator will come with such power. Scripture describes Jesus as this great warrior. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it describes his eyes like lightning, a robe dipped in blood, uh, his name tattooed on his thigh, this imagery of, of victory and of strength. Isn't Jesus going to war against us? It's Jesus going to war against Satan, sin and death itself, putting an end to it forevermore. And as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 and onward, one day we will say, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Because death has been swallowed up in victory. We find ourselves in the midst of a pandemic unlike many of us have ever experienced. More and more of us are experiencing uh, people that we know either contract or even worse, uh, fall succumb to the effects of this virus. And for many, they've been stopped dead in their tracks, not physically, emotionally. Teens, parents, kids, people have become so overwhelmed. And this is where we can practically rise above all of that. This is where we can practically step into all of that victorious in Christ because why? Jesus has made purification for sins. That means so much more than we just think it does on the surface. If that thought has power over you, that you live in fear, that you can't even imagine what the future has in store, that that is sin having power over your life. Remember, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember, Romans 8 says that God is going to work all things together for good for those whom he's called according to his purposes. Romans 8 also says that nothing in all of creation can separate us from God's love. If you've been experiencing fear in this season for whatever it is, let Jesus come in and mediate between you and the reason for that fear. Because likely the reason for that fear is a part of you that Jesus wants to overwhelm with his love and his truth and his grace and his mercy and his power. You see Jesus making purification for sins. On one hand, is like this door that you can kind of grab a hold of. Okay, I can kind of understand that. Yeah, I understand that he died on the cross, that you can kind of grab a hold of that handle it's simple in that sense that you can, okay, I, I, I get that concept of a sacrifice, a substitute, I get that. But once you step in through that door, there's an entire kingdom of God, a vast universe of reality that you can experience and explore in your relationships, 
and in your very life in ways that one day we will come to fully know in God's presence, all of which that fully means. And so on this day, whether you are hearing this live with the rest of our church family, whether you're hearing this on a podcast or on YouTube at some later date, there are things swirling around in your life, things swirling around in this city that you live in, things swirling around in the nation in which you are a citizen of. But Jesus longs to be experienced as the great mediator in the midst of it. If you haven't yet, let him mediate between you and God. You don't have to live with guilt. You don't have to live with shame. You don't have to live with fear. You don't have to live with the thought of, gosh, God, have I done enough? Let him be that mediator. Receive him in faith. In that moment, he will set you free from the penalty of sin and God will look at you and say, welcome home, my beloved child. You'll become a new creation. He will give you God's spirit. The Holy Spirit will now dwell in you. And if you're experiencing right now in this moment, something in your life that has power over you, Jesus wants to be the mediator in that thing. He wants to set you free from the power of it. He has the power to do so through the Holy Spirit. Give it over to him, confess that to him. Allow him to transform your attitude, your motivations, your intent in that thing. But also know that one day, he will mediate between all the things that stand against God's best for you and for me. And until that day, let's harness not only what it means for Jesus to be our mediator, but for us as followers of Jesus to be mediators for others. Remember in 2 Corinthians, it says, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ, mediators for Christ. That's a great high calling. It's what this world needs. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you have chosen to step into that role of mediator. As, I, as I've thought about it, we, we need mediators in our everyday lives. We need good mediators and you are the best of all. In all the relationships of our life, we want to experience you as our great mediator. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, would you help us more and more understand what that means to live that out in our life? And would you send us out in this world to be mediators that represent you well? It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. And we say together, amen.